Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hey, mamacita, welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey, mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. On this episode of the Mamas Con Ganas podcast, I'm interviewing Mayra Alejandra Garcia, financial coach and host of the Debt Free Latina podcast. Welcome, Mayra, to the Mamas Con Ganas podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Valentina. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. You and I share this mission of like empowering women financially. And I think that is such a big topic, like two women, you and I, who, t who love talking about money and love to talk about how we can make our lives better and less stressed and more stress-free, right? From taking the reins of our finances. So I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So To, be, to start off, right, because there's so many things that we could talk about, I want you to tell my mamacitas where you're from, where you were raised, where you grew up. I grew up in East L.A. I'm from Southern California. I was there until I was a young adult and then moved to Phoenix, Arizona when I was 22. Nice. And you're still in Phoenix right now? I am. I am. I pretty much raised my kids here. So after I got married, I, I moved here. My family's from Mexico. I am first generation, so I was born here in the States, but was raised in a community that predominantly is Hispanic. So I spoke Spanish. That was my first language. I was in a dual enrollment school. And so I learned Spanish before I learned English. Very cool. Well, my son, too. It's funny because he was he was born here, but he spoke Spanish for several years before he even spoke English. It's interesting how that happens, right? Yeah. So Maida. You know, you, your podcast is all about empowering women when it comes to their finances. You're also a financial coach. We'll get into that a little bit later. But tell us how you got to be passionate about this subject and why you started the Debt Free Latina podcast. Like, where did this all come from? This all started around 2010. So in 2010, I came across um, a financial guru Dave Ramsey, and I learned a lot about how to manage finances, how to budget, which was all foreign to me. I didn't grow up learning about money. I didn't grow up talking about money. It was a taboo topic in my home. And so that was like the initial and like the spark that kind of developed into this. And I felt like, okay, I can't be the only one out there that doesn't know how to do this. I can't be the only one that, you know, hasn't learned how to budget. And so I, I saw that as, you know, common around the people around me. And so that's when I was like, huh, maybe I could coach. Maybe I can teach this once I learn it. 
And, and I did, I, I got certified in 2017. Um, a few years after I became debt free, I became debt free in 2012. And so it kind of took me a while to learn like, okay, what can I do to pursue this? And so 2017, I started coaching and I started the podcast in 2020. That's awesome. And when you, when you found Dave Ramsey or you came across him, was it something that you were actively looking for because of the fact that you, that you were in debt or did it just happen? Like out of nowhere, did it just like pop, pop up? Yeah, it popped up. I never thought I had a problem. I know that there was a problem because I had debt, but I thought everybody had debt and I thought it was normal to, you know, just live paycheck to paycheck. I didn't know anything different. I didn't grow up in a home where we had, you know, extras. It was literally paycheck to paycheck my whole life. So when I heard of this concept of being debt free and building wealth and teaching kids, I thought, huh, this is new. So yes, yeah, see, in our culture, money is seen as something almost like as if it's like forbidden or dirty, like nobody talks about their money problems. Nobody is discussing it like in, in openly. And I think that's one of the things that holds our culture back is precisely that is not discussing it because where focus goes, energy flows. And so when you're, when you are discussing money, people who tend to talk about money are usually in like business or finance. And those people are usually the people to make the money. When we stop talking about it, we don't give any focus to that area of our lives. It usually makes it dwindle or it just nothing happens, nothing happens. And it's almost like we ignore it. And so of course we're going to have issues in our culture when it comes, you know, when it comes to money, because it's almost like as if it's a subject that we almost want to cast off and ignore. What do you think about that? I think it's true. I think there's also a lot of shame around not knowing. And so I think that we need to first forgive ourselves because we don't know what we don't know. And so just like it was new to me and I thought, wow, this foreign concept is interesting. It's okay to just now discover that you don't have to live in debt, that you can be debt free, that you don't have to be stressed out all the time. And like when I say don't knock debt freedom until you try it, I really mean it because I don't think people realize how stressed we are because of the debt. Absolutely. I think that when you are able to get out of debt and see another way of living, it is such like a burden off of your shoulders. And it feels so good that you want to start like telling everybody, this is so good. Why don't you hop on the same train that I am? And, you know, before we were doing, we hopped up and, and started recording the podcast, we were talking about how, how good that feels and how you just want to share that with everybody so that they also live without that stress because it's stressful on our marriage. It's stressful. It's a stress that we pass down to our kids. It kind of invades and infiltrates all the areas of our life because it's almost like the ghost that's there haunting us that we never want to talk about. Right? Yeah, it is. And I think that if we take that shame away and we start talking about it and first First and foremost, we believe that we can achieve this. Yes. And I think that's where it starts because I don't think that sometimes we just simply do not believe that it's possible, that we can convince our spouse, that we can really partner alongside them. And it's like, they can. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. 
It wasn't easy to get them on board, but it it's possible. And I think it's also something that pulls marriages together. Like I've done podcast episodes on my podcast where my husband and I talk about money. And we've also been open about the fact that it's, I think the most difficult has been the most difficult conversation to get like consistent on and to kind of come to an agreement with. But once you navigate through the difficulties and the the discomfort of what that conversation is about when it comes to money, because it's two basically households coming together that have grown up with different attitudes about money. And so now you have to come to a consensus with with your finances. It's a very difficult conversation to have. But once you kind of over overcome that, it's something that really unites the couple. And I love how on your podcast, you you talk about that, about how you, you know, you plan ahead with your husband and you have these conversations together. Yes. So like, for example, 2023, the budget for that was, you know, the template for most of it was completed around November. And I and I really encourage the mamacitas to listen to that episode. I was listening to I listened to that one and I've listened to a bunch of your episodes and that one is is really interesting because you were doing that before even like, you know, the gift part of the year was coming around where people spent, tend to spend a lot of money. So you're already planning with your husband in November and getting ahead of that, let's say, temptation period. Yes, because if I know what I have going on in January, right, money wise, I can maybe resist some of the temptations that might come up in December. Maybe I can say, you know what, we can reach that goal. Or you can also decide, you know what, I'm willing to wait another month to achieve that because I want this instead. But you have choices because you have a plan and you can see it and then decide. A lot of this is just course correction. It's not going to be perfect. It's never perfect. But you can also take a step or two forward. I love that. And I also love when you when you were talking about how how it takes effort, right? And it, it's like a give and a take. And you, when you were planning that budget, you realize that there are sacrifices. And I think that people have this like erroneous concept that if they make more money, they'll never have to do a budget. But then you have an episode that talks about how budgeting is even more important than increasing your income, which is like, oh my God, when I saw that episode, I was like, yes. Hallelujah. Like, absolutely. You can make more money, but there's people that make, you know, half a million dollars, a million dollars, and they're still in debt. They're still not rid of debt. So we have this concept or this belief that if I just make more money, all my money problems will go away. But in reality, it doesn't matter if you're making $36,000 a year or if you're making $10 million a year, you still need to budget because if you don't budget, it's like a recipe for disaster. It's kind of like that very classic saying, when you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, basically. Absolutely. And I think that's why it was important to have some representation to show this is possible. This is not just for mainstream and non-Latinos. We can do this too. And I think that's where I was like, you know, I don't really see anybody out there. There's very few of us that are talking about money in the Latino community. And we all have a little bit of a different like philosophy and ideas. I think we all have the, you know, a good heart and want to share our journey. And I think that's what really makes this so diverse, right? Because even within the Latino community, there is so much diversity and there's so many different ideas. And I think that's what really makes this 
awesome that we're talking a little more about money in our community. Yeah. And I think that these things like the whole money story is passed down also from like, you know, generation to generation, obviously the Latinos that have been wealthy for a long time, it's sort of like one of these things that are passed down, right? Just like anything else, but our community, you know, as a majority has, you know, we, a lot of us come here for looking for a better future and have immigrated into this country to sort of leave the poverty behind, leave the scarcity behind. And if we come to the United States, it's like, you know, it's like this huge monster that can swallow up you up, swallow you up whole. And you can, you know, you can come and start making more money than maybe your family d does back in your home country, but you could also fall into the trap of debt if you're not careful. I know that that's a huge um, problem for a lot of immigrants. Like it happens to a lot of us. If And um, I know that you have that philosophy of like really not using credit cards at all. I know everybody's a little bit different. Tell me about your background yeah. with debt, your family's background with debt and what you feel about credit cards, for example. Well, my mom did not have good credit because she didn't pay her bills on time and she was unorganized. It wasn't a problem with money making. My mom actually did really well for being an immigrant. Um, I think it had to do with the lack of organization. And, you know, once once I came along, she didn't have good credit, so she didn't have credit cards. She did everything cash. But I think that I didn't really see that, you know, growing up, I didn't see the credit. So when I started like, oh, well, I can get credit and I can put this on a credit card and I have student loans and I have all these things that I really didn't know how to manage when I learned there was another way to do it. When I learned that I could just get rid of it all and not have the stress of having that bill come in the mail. I really liked it. And I think that credit cards, yes, you can get points and you can follow up and, you know, get some money back or whatever it is, the rewards, right? But all of those can be a temptation to people. And sometimes you fall right back into debt because things happen. And, you know, when I make the decision of debt is not an option for me, it just became so much easier for me. So to me, it's just not an option. If I can't pay for it, I will save for it. So it's not like that I can't get it. I'm just willing to wait and not have that instant gratification. So for me, it's helped me in other areas of my life, not just with money, because I learned to wait. It's really interesting that you say that. I think a lot of it has to do with discipline. And I think money is an area where that really shows us where our discipline is at. Um, and I think one of the most important things is to know thyself, right? And like you said, you just, that's the way you like it. And that's the way you feel comfortable. And you, that's the way that makes you feel like liberated, right? Everybody has perhaps a different way of being, but it is, it can be a temptation. And even, you know, even when you're trying to, like, once you get rid of, rid of debt, if you have that credit card and you're using it, um, if you're not consistently checking it and consistently being on top of it, it can be an area where you just kind of fall back into the same trap. Um, I know that like my husband and I decided from a very, um, 
from the beginning of our relationship, actually, that anything that was going to be going into our credit cards, we we pay off monthly. Everything that goes on our credit card, if we can't afford it that month, it just will not go in our, into our credit card. So we do use the points, but I will say that it takes a lot of effort to stay on top of it. So I think it's very, like, I honor you, and I think that it's so it's awesome when you realize what you like and how you like your life to be and to base your life off of that and saying, this is, this is just what, how I feel comfortable rather than just following what everybody else is doing or what seems to be like the trend or what seems to be like the better thing to do when in reality you find for yourself that something else works better for you. I think it's, it's important to know, to know yourself, whether you want to be following through with that and add another burden to your life because it is it takes a lot of discipline to look at your finances and i think it's precisely why a lot of people disregard it and why a lot of people fall into debt because it's easier to ignore it than to come face to face it's really an area of of self-improvement like finances is really an area where you will be come face to face with your demons really quickly you know what i mean you know what it's it's interesting that you say that because, you know, another thing that I saw growing up was that my mother was a gambler. My mom loved going to play bingo at the casino, not like necessarily gamble tons, but like she loved to go play bingo. That was something I saw growing up every single week. So for me and see, these are the things that I've discovered along my marriage. Right. So like, for example, my husband grew up with an alcoholic father. I grew up with a gambling mother. So we have come to an agreement, and this was years ago, that for me, a casino is tempting. And so what I do is I tell him, like, I don't want to go to one because I can see how because of my family history, I can get hooked. And so for him, he's made a decision to not have alcohol in our home because he knows that that's very easy for him to have a drink regularly and it will become a norm. So these are just things that we have an awareness of and that we have just decided to support each other. And so if you have these things where you're weak and you know that you might be weak, then just avoid it. That's beautifully said. I think that is, it's very courageous. And it's also like, like I said, knowing you know, your background, where you came from, your temptations. I think we all have our, our, our things that can tempt us into falling off track and to, yeah. And to, you know, when it comes to money into falling into debt or into, you know, if we're, if we know that we can't be, that we're not going to be looking at our, our, our things like all the time to know that we're not spending anything beyond what's in our bank account can just like take away the problem. But, but everybody has a different discipline, right? Yes. And everybody's strong in different areas of your life. And so for me, I feel like I can probably have a drink and it won't be a problem, mm -hmm. right? Because I know how to say no after one or two. And, you know, but that's not something my husband can do easily, as easily as me. And so those are just little things that we've come to an agreement. And so that could be applied in your money too, that could be, you know, if you have the discipline to pay off your credit cards every single month, great. I think that's wonderful. I think money is personal. And that can, you know, that's a beautiful thing that you guys do, that you guys can pay it off every every month. You know, there are some families that 
struggle with doing that. And sometimes it's discipline. Sometimes it's means it could be shame. It could be a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though, because money though, no matter how, no matter what you do with the credit cards or not, like this is just one, one area, right? But no matter what you do in reality, at the end, it's not something that we can totally like write off and not think about ever. It's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like one of the, these subjects that will have you face the mirror, like immediately, because you have to face it. Even if you're not, even if you don't have credit cards, no matter what, can we ignore the fact that we get old and the fact that we should, you know, save money for our retirement or for our children's future education or to buy a home? Like it's such an integral, money is such an integral part of our life that if we don't, I, I say grow up and like <laughs> face this, you know, this subject, it can really be detrimental to our life. It's just one of those things we cannot ignore. It's like our health. If we ignore our health, you know, eventually we'll find ourselves in the hospital. If like we don't take care of what we eat, if we exercise, like, you know, if we, you know, it, you know, if we should, if, for example, we have a, a health problem, like for, if we're addicted to smoking or if we're addicted to alcohol, to any of those things, it's just one of these subjects you just simply can't ignore. Maida, what do you say to your, to your clients, for, for example, who are, who you realize have completely been ignoring this subject? How do you get them to like sit down and say, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's talk about this. Um, I would first ask if they're ready to change because nothing's going to change unless they're willing to make some changes. So if they keep doing what they're doing, I mean, that's the definition of insanity. So I think that if somebody's ready, I'm, you know, more than happy to show them the steps and the strategies to get out. Um, but I would first say, are you ready? Are you ready to make changes? And a lot of people aren't. And some are. I think you have to hit and I've had it. You have to hit of I am tired of living this way. I'm tired of not knowing what my numbers are. I'm tired of, you know, just not really knowing how much I do owe. Some people have an idea, but not everybody knows that exact number. Wow. I, I had a friend once who was seeing me put everything on a spreadsheet, right? And I do like the budgeting and I have like categories that I put um, so that I know basically if I'm on track or not at least within several months, because I'll start noticing, like, let's say that I, if I spend too much, or I've been spending too much on restaurants or on shopping, then I know I'll have to curtail like what I spend on, on traveling or something, you know, something's got to give, you talked about that on your podcast. And she saw me do that. And I said, wait, you don't, you don't do that. Like, like I know at the end of, by the end of the year, now I have to go back to 2022. It, we just started January, but I have to do like the final analysis now because I go back every month to see how I'm doing to make sure that we're on track. Um, and I said, you don't do that. She's like, no, I've never done that. I go, you have to like you, like the things that will come out when you do your budgeting is like the things that it will reveal are, will leave your mouth, like your jaw open. Like you'll realize, oh my gosh, I've been spending way too much on coffee, for example, on Starbucks. And then you'll realize where there's areas that you're like, overspending but in a way that that's kind of silly that's e much easier 
than you thought it would be to save money because you just don't realize that five plus five plus five plus five, it ends up adding at the end of the month. And that by the time you know it, when you look back, you're like, wow, I, I spent $250 at Starbucks last month. If you just eliminate that, imagine what you could save just on that. So it, it's so revealing when we do those. And when she did it, she went back, she's like, oh my God, I spent so much on stupidities. I was like, yeah, this is like a really cool exercise. I do it to keep myself in check. Check. Yeah, reconciling our budget is, you know, really important. And I would say it's probably one of the most important pieces, not just planning forward, but looking back because you can see habits, you can see, you know, where you can course correct going forward, where, you know, maybe you thought you spend $300 in groceries a week, but it's really now 400 because of inflation. It could be so many different things, right? But then you can course correct the future and say, oh, well, it's not 300. I think it's 300, but it's really four. And that's the reality with our family. And, and there's some things that you're just going to have to deal with because that's just the reality. And then there's some things that you just can say, you know what? I need to curve that. Absolutely. Because I always say it, it's interesting because with numbers, it just doesn't lie. It's not up for interpretation. You know? <laughs> They're black and white. It's so that that's the cool thing about numbers and money is like, it is what it is and that's it. And I think that's a, something that, you know, some people might not like, but I find it a little bit, it consoles me. And then, cause I'm like, okay, this is what it is. So next month, what am I planning to do? Looking, looking ahead when I look forward. Um, and then one of the interesting things you were talking about on your podcast for 2023 is saying how, you know, when you see something and you're planning ahead of time, and you're like, okay, where am I going to put my priorities this year? Um, you and I have something in common for 2023. One of one of our goals some, uh, this year as well, my husband and I, is to do uh, something about our home. Like we want to do some um, upgrades to our home. But that requires us to like take a step back when it comes to other areas in our life. So like this year for our trips, you know, usually we're kind of extravagant when it comes to that. We're trying to see, well, how do we still take family trips but save and do it in a way that's more economical, right? Where we're not like blowing the budget in that end because we know that we need to put that money that we're not spending on there. We're going to want to put it in the home. Yeah. And I think those are just choices that we have, right? Um, it, it all comes down to choices and having a plan. If you can have, if you can see the plan, you can still change it. And I think that's where people think that, well, I've already planned it, it has to stay this way. And it's like, no, maybe once the time gets closer, you might change your mind and say, you know what? But well, I might not get, you know, this piece of furniture. Instead, I would like to take this trip. It doesn't matter. The, what matters is that you had a plan and you maybe switched it and adjusted it. But you know where your money is going. You've made those choices in advance. You're not being impulsive. And I think part of this is that this culture is so impulsive now. Everything is now. We want it now. And also something that you also mentioned on your podcast is like how concerned we are as like a community or as individuals as to what other people think, right? Like what, what words, what, you know, how we're going to be perceived by the world, by, by the things that we do, because money is sort of like this front that tells other people. And so we can have this, you know, if we live our life inauthentically, we can be 
kind of be more worried about what other think what other people think about us rather than worrying about our own future and that's crazy how sometimes worrying about what other people think takes a president and it becomes more important than worrying about our financial freedom and then and worrying about what's better for us when it comes to our finances and our money i think that goes back to values what do you value do you value their opinion because sometimes you can value somebody's opinion for, you know, the best, you know, because they want what's best for you. But if what's best for you doesn't align with who you are, or what you want and your values, having that courage to say, no, I'm not going to participate in that or that's not for me right now. And having courage to speak up. I think a lot of us will just be like, oh, that's what I, you know, so and so expects from me whether it's your spouse or your parents or a friend. So it, it has to align with your values and really being true to yourself. What do you want? What do you want? Not what other people want. What do you want? I think also what you said is very telling. It's like we live in a society where it's like everything is, you. it's like immediate gratification all of the time. And it's interesting because my husband said something. We were having a very serious conversation with our teenagers this weekend and he was saying about how like one of the measurements of success, one of the biggest tellings of success and the people that are the most successful are the people that are able to delay instant gratification. It's like their delay of pleasure, like the ability to delay our pleasure ties into our ability to become successful because what even when it like when it comes to our finances, for example, like not giving in into instant gratification of shopping immediately for that thing that we desire, but like planning for it, budgeting for it, you know, you know, not saying that you're never going to have it, but doing it in a way that aligns with the way that you want to see your life in the future and what you want to create for yourself allows you to feel like there's no greater success than that, than being able to like plan for something you know, obviously visualize it, you desire it, but you're doing it in a way that feels really responsible. And then when you're actually able to acquire that, let's say material thing that you want, it feels so much better because it gives you that sense of, I think it's like that feeling like a real adult. <laughs> I think when you become yeah. financially like responsible, you, you truly step into your adulthood. And you used this word earlier, growing up. You said people need to sometimes grow up, right? And I, I've used that word when you said it, it triggered me to think, you know, I tell my daughter sometimes, you know, she's a teenager about how instant gratification, you know, needs, it's not reality. It's not the reality of the court system. I've given her examples of just everyday life. And I think that delaying pleasure is part of growing up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's totally part of growing up. <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn because I think even like us as adults, like we want things. It's not, I tell my teenagers, it's not that, you know, that you're so much, like I'm so much better than you. I know I would also love to have things spontaneously, but I've come to the realization that that instant gratification is not really what brings true happiness. Like it's more the things that are over time, the things that are, that are done through stepping into a, like our higher self. And I think our higher self is aligned with discipline. And sometimes a lot of people run away from that word, but I find like, if you make it your friend, it will be like 
the best friend to have throughout your life when it comes to everything. Yes, I agree. Um, Myra, like when somebody comes to you, like, and is looking for your advice as a, as a, uh, as a financial coach, tell them mamacitas what that means. What is a financial coach? What exactly do you do for your clients? So I start off with a financial diagnostic form. So I ask them to fill it out and to tell me all of their goals, aspirations, and I want them to dream big because a lot of people sometimes are not dreaming big. They don't have the opportunity to dream big. This is the time to dream big. So if everything was aligned, what would you like for your life? And then from there, I can, you know, I ask them about their personal, um, their income, their expenses, and about their debt so that I can build a budget before they even get on a call with me. So I go into the first call with these, these are the things based on what you said, what would need to happen. And I want you now to look through it and see if this aligns with what you said. And if this is something you can do, because then now we can course correct, then we can say, you know what? I really wanted that, but I'm not ready for that. Or I don't have the discipline to follow this. So then we'll course correct it. And then we can see whether it's going to take two years to get out of debt or if it's going to take four years out of, to get out of debt. It doesn't matter. But then it becomes your choice. How long do you want to, you know, be working at this? And then really teach the strategies to reconcile a budget, to change whatever things come up, right? Pictures, picture day, or whatever, you know, unexpected expense may come up. How do you deal with that? There's a lot of different strategies that I teach during the three months that I coach. And, you know, it just teaches them to keep it up. And so by the third month, I'm having them do a budget for the next few months, maybe even a year in advance, so that they can really see what a template looks like. And every month is different because one month a year, you might have tags for your car due. And then, you know, twice a year, you might have insurance due. There's a lot of different things that are due every single month that are different. Absolutely. And, and sometimes you don't realize just how much. That's why I think that that yearly recap, when I do it, I'm like, wow, yes. Like, it's almost like sometimes we forget to allocate certain monies if we don't have them written down and then all of a sudden the payment comes up, you know, for example, property taxes, it's only once a year at the end of the year. But if we don't schedule for that, that's something that can be very costly that if we're not ready for, then, you know, what are we going to do the payments up and now it's time to pay it. <laughs> that's right. Very cool. And how often do you follow up with like when you have a client, how often do you look at that or that does that differ from a client to client basis? So I, the three months that I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching, the program is three months and they have a choice of whether they do one call a month and then everything else is through email. I do weekly check-ins via email or um, a lot of people choose to do six calls that are 30 minutes. And so we meet every single time. Maybe they get paid. If they get paid bi-weekly, we might meet bi-weekly so that they can get into the habit of really checking back at their previous two weeks, and then they can look forward and plan their following two weeks. So the templates are done, but there's always little things that come up and that you remember closer to the date that they're due. That's awesome. I think 
it's, it's interesting because a lot of people avoid this altogether and they think, oh, it's going to take so much time. But then when you, when, you, when you sit down and you start doing it, for me, I don't know if it happens to you. I sort of, once I sit down and I force myself to do it, it becomes kind of like, I don't want to get off from the chair until it's done. And it feels so gratifying after it's done. It's like, wow, that was like something that I know I needed to do that feels so good once it's done. It's like exercising. Sometimes you don't want to exercise, but when you start exercising, once it's done, you're like, thank God I got up and started exercising. It feels so good afterwards. Yes. And I think another thing that people don't think about that I tell my husband all the time is I did the budget just last weekend for, you know, the month of January. I finalized it. I did all the things and I was like, I just want the weeks to hurry up because I have all these things planned and I cannot wait to like get my income to come in so that I can do some of the things that I have planned. And it's like, it's so different than looking backwards. I'm looking forward. I'm focused on the future. It's just a different perspective. Absolutely. And it becomes like, like what, how you're talking about it comes from like excitement rather than dread, right? When we are not looking at it and then we look at it once in a while or maybe we just ignore it and we just know that the debt's piling on and on and on. It's sort of like that dread. Every time that conversation comes, it's like, oh, Whereas you are stepping into that space with like excitement and like, I can't wait until time comes because I have this allocated for this and I get to look forward to this. And it's a much more healthy way of looking at money. And it's, it's a different feeling and emotion that money brings when it's done that way. Yes. It's very exciting to look forward. Myra, where can people reach you if they want to get in contact with you for the coaching? Where can they listen to your podcast? Tell everybody where they, you know, where they can see you on social, all of that good stuff. So you can find me at debtfreelatina.com. Um, my podcast is on the website as well, but I'm on all major platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Um, I am on Instagram as well. That's where I'm most active. Um, I'm at debtfree.latina. Awesome. So get a hold of, of Maida. If you're having a problem with debt, if you're trying to get your financial situation, you know, taken care of, like, so that you know that you're not alone. I think a lot of times we need support from somebody. I know that for me, coaching in many different areas of my life has been so important when it comes to finances. I have my financial planners. I also get together with my husband, but I feel like we all need somebody that's there guiding us, particularly if we do come from families that don't discuss this, like we mentioned. I think it's so important that you, you know, you get coached so that you are looking at this from a different perspective. Because if your friends are also ignoring their finances and you're ignoring your finances, you kind of have, you can feel lost, but you know, but know that there are other Latinas, not just me, but Maida and others that are there to coach you, to guide you so that you can take responsibility, take the reins of your finances and become self-empowered when it comes to money. So that money is actually something that you look forward to talking about rather than something that you dread to discuss. Thank you, Myra. Anything else you want to leave the mamacitas with? Anything that you want to say before we close this episode off? No, I... Just want to say thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have the courage to be brave. Amen. Amen. Go to mamasconganaspodcast.com forward slash 176. Let us know if you have any questions. Again, that's mamasconganaspodcast.com forward slash 176. Thank you so much, Maida. Thank you. Hey. 
it's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas. You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote, don't be a mama con drama. Mm -mm. Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos. 